PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Yes, yes. And and what really sucks is when I don't want the relationship to end, but, you know, you're not fixing the shit. <laughs> so it's like, so yeah, I will, then I will switch to, I'm justified leaving you. And right. yes, it was a good thing that I left you. Fuck you. My brain protects myself. And then it's not that I skip off into the sunset that everything is fine. Yay. I'm just going to go and find another person. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not, it's not like that. I'm Don't still. Don't worry. Next one will be better. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? <laughs> Trying to find that next perfect someone takes years. Everybody yeah. else is a filler in between. And it's, um, and then I fucking just, ugh, I, I'm, I'm disgusted with myself. So of course I have to, you know, beat up the person I'm with, get the fuck away from me. You're gross. <laughs> Shit like that. You know, that's why rebounds are awful. You know, right. rebounds are awful because I'm bringing my baggage into this. Okay. You better be the perfect partner. And here's all of my garbage. You better put it in your storage room because I don't want it. That's, uh. It's actually fascinating though what you said there about uh, how you kind of take times in between your perfect people and like because it's such a I guess thorough vetting process so you have to put so much into it that like you know you have the rebounds you just have filler people in between. I mm -hmm. wonder I wonder how common that is. I, I definitely think it's not uncommon. I think I've seen people do the same thing before. So it's just fascinating to hear you say that. Well, I know that. Um, I mean you know, disordered people can be alone, but I mean, I all, you know, I still need social media. I still need mm -hmm. um, attention from the outside world. I can't just have nothing. I would shrivel up into dust. You man. got it. God will exist. Yeah. But you know, so this is why, you know, I always have shelving. I always have fucking, you know, friends or friend zoned guys or whatever that I'm just using just to keep my self-esteem barely like crawling through a desert sucking on a cactus, you know, <laughs> just trying to stay alive while I'm finding that perfect someone. Now, I'm not saying that I haven't monkey branched, but fuck yes. You know, I've gone from my very first, no, my very first high school boyfriend after two years tired of that monkey branched into something else, got rid of that fuck real quick. And then I was alone for a whole year. That sucked. And then when I was able just to have, you know, different people that I would see all the time, like fuck friends and everything, that was perfect. You know, I could go to wherever I wanted. Everybody was willing. It was great. Then getting married and he was antisocial criminal. So that didn't fucking work. I left that relationship before the two year mark too. Yeah, and that could be difficult. And I think I remember some of the stories you've told about it. Yeah. And segueing before leaving him, I was already grooming husband number two. You you had a kid at that point, right? So it was partly yes. like you were looking for somebody else to help provide. So kind of a real yes. practical urgency in this one. Yes. Yes. So I wasn't looking for, I mean, I was pushing romantic love on him, but my main goal was a good father figure. So mm -hmm. that's what I was looking for. And I stayed with him for 25 years. That's the hell of a time to make of it. It sounds like you yeah. did all right. Well, the thing is, is he was always at my level. People are like, oh, he's a stamp. No, he fucking <laughs> fought tooth and nail with me. And I respected him for those right. things. 
But, you know, I'm still an empty vessel. I'm still talking to other people online. I'm not having any romantic nothing. I did, I did twice. But I mean, it's 25 fucking years, man. And listen to me making excuses. I only did it (laughs) twice. (laughs) No, I I, I, honestly, I'm with you though. Like 25 years, fucking long amount of time. Like, yeah, I'd call that a write off. But you know. Yeah, so, so I, you know, I still have people who want to talk to me. No, I'm not, you know, giving any romantic nothing. But yes, I do want them to feel special that I am gracing you with my presence. You know, right? Well, I personally and, uh, do, so you definitely succeeded in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have all these fillers and everything. While I'm married, my marriage home base, he provides the core of everything for me. I'm getting my other self-esteem juice from everybody else, right? And then along comes the borderline flavor who totally triggers the fuck out of me because I have unresolved mommy issues and he's my mom. Uh, and so those yeah. mommy issues. Whew, we're pleased to thought on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so that really fucked me up because I was, you know, like I said, I'm a self-helper and everything. I was doing my husband, he had some fucking little garbage affairs online. He propositioned my sister. Oh, oh God, uh, yeah, I remember that one. Oof. Yeah, well, because I wasn't I wasn't giving him attention. He's trying to find attention from anyone because he's also all narcissistic. Right. So I was like, all right, well, let's just clean slate, though I held that resentment in my head about the sister thing. But reasonable. (laughs) But I tried to, you know, move on, was healthy, you know, wasn't doing any social media shady shit for several years, you know, but then borderline flavor came into my life. I thought it would be just totally innocent. And you get like, just you fall into this trauma bond because, you know, he's triggering all my mommy issues. And I'm just like, fuck, I got to get love (laughs) from this fucker, you know, I got to get him. Yeah. I need the validation. I need it. You know? And then he, what do you call it? uh, He made me out to be the air that he breathed. And so my pedestal, I'm not on a pedestal, dude. I'm like in a hot air balloon and shit. And so I'm just like, oh my God. And then he will, you know, take a shotgun and then blow up my fucking balloon and I come crashing to the ground. I mean, it was just madness, complete madness. Sounds like what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I come off, so I end up having to divorce my husband because he finds out about the shit and, you know, he won't get over it. And so I'm just like, okay, fuck it. I go back to the borderline, try to do the borderline thing. It did not fucking work. So I'm after four shocked months- shocked and amazed. That- <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do the healthy grieving thing. And yeah, yeah. No, it was terrible because um (laughs) never grieve anybody ever. You've heard it here first from cluster B. No, no, no. It was so terrible, but I had to grieve my relationship, otherwise, I was gonna bring that baggage into I already have baggage, okay? I have Louis Vuitton fucking bags. So I have like, you know, 10 fucking bags. But At least they're glamorous. <laughs> if, I, if I didn't grieve this last relationship, I would have a warehouse of baggage that I'm bringing in, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had to grieve that relationship and understand that I really wasn't in love with him. I was in love with trying to get the validation from him that I didn't get when I was a kid. So when I learned that I was able to detach from him, I was able to, you know, I have no fucking emotional attachment to this person. I have memories. I have, Mm. you know, happy memories about some things. I remember the bad times, but I don't have this hate or resentment. resentment, Exactly. No, I'm actually grateful because of that that relationship. I wouldn't have become self-aware and I wouldn't have started my channel. And I wouldn't be able to be so honest on my stuff where I'm teaching other people so they can move on. And they don't have to be stuck in the anger mode of their grieving process. Oh, 
Man, uh, everything you just said was fucking incredible. And there's like so many things to say, but uh, <laughs> I actually wrote a really great comment in response to somebody lately and I definitely want to trot that out. But uh, exactly talking about this, where some of the anger and controlling and abusiveness and other behaviors that uh, disordered people do that are really harmful is them trying to prevent themselves from going to that grieving place. It's like you either go to the grief and you feel the loss and you really understand why it happened and where it came from. And it's one of the worst things that's ever happened to you. And you realize that, you know, who I wanted my caregiver to be never happened. I never got the love that I wanted or deserved. You feel that in an ongoing basis. And people try to stay the fuck away from it. They're trying to delude themselves. And but once you actually do punch through that, once you actually get to a point in your life where somebody or something forces you to break the glass on that and come in touch with that grief, that's where the self-awareness and healing actually begins and so people fight against it so much, and yet it is an integral part of their journey towards getting better or getting normal or looking toward the future again with optimism. Yeah, I feel like the more normies, after they go through grief, and when I say normies, I mean, you know, they still have their own traumas, they still have their mm-hmm. own, they can fix their codependency, they can create better boundaries, mm-hmm. they can say they find their self esteem that they used to have, and then they lost it because, you know, of their own childhood traumas coming out in the relationship. But so I have great hope. For these people to be able to move on and have healthier relationships and lives. Me moving on, me going through my grief, me understanding my part in the bullshit, it doesn't remove the mental illness. So I still have all this bullshit that I have to deal with. And you get to run to the playground and I'm still stuck in the fucking La Brea tar pits and shit (laughs) trying to, you know, climb my way out. And I'm like looking at you in envy being like, take me with, take me with, you know, feed me a fucking hot dog while I'm stuck in this shit. But yeah, so even though that the things that I learned from my past you know, are put in my toolbox. Okay, I understand this thing and the other. But I do feel like I'm in this marathon that is never going to end. I feel like you get to run in the gym and, you know, around this air-conditioned track, and I'm trudging through the fucking desert, and we're going to get to the same place, but you're going to make it there a lot faster than me. And I have a harder time. At least this is what's going on in my head. You know, this is why, like when I hear nameless say, don't fucking say you relate to me. You don't fucking relate to (laughs) shit. And I'm just like, that's right. Oh boy. That's right. (laughs) Holla at my boy. Um, (laughs) That's a, it's a really good explanation of envy though, for people who maybe don't get it. Um, So for myself, like I think with my negative affects, they're usually more goal or practical oriented. And it's kind of like secondary psychopathy. And I do have kind of a deep well of positive affects I can draw on, like fucking borderline. I'm everywhere, depending on what's going on. And so envy has always been a difficult one for me to understand because it's like I have that kind of light, exactly like you're saying, that you can see other people have. It just kind of flickers and goes in and out sometimes. Mm-hmm. So th- even that definition there is really helpful for me because it's like, for me at least, I see like the struggle and how difficult it is to like try and keep myself contained and like not just exploding all over the place. But at least it's like I know what the alternative is like. I know I can do it. I know that it's there sometimes. And that's something mm-hmm. entirely different in kind than just like that light is out and it's been snuffed a long time ago and it is just like impossible to get it going again. And you're just watching other people doing it easily and yeah, I, just something about your descriptions of it is really striking me right now. So it's, uh, I'm really glad for you to share that with me. Yeah, there's uh, something that goes along with it that helps us from feeling envious of others is I look for the flaw in you, which will wow. make me above you. Mm-hmm. So when my jealousy or envy comes out with people that I meet, I'm looking for a chink in your armor. Okay, so... 
this is this is why like when people call and ask for a call for me and stuff i never do a background check on i never go look at their profile i never nothing this is better for you and it's better for me (laughs) (laughs) clean slate i want a clean fucking slate i only want to deal on what you're dealing with and i don't want to have any preconceived you know images of you for me to you know make up in my head this is why i won't do zoom calls I'll do phone calls, but I don't want video because I don't Mm -hmm. want to be picking out why I'm better than you. No, I don't want to do that. I know it's a good, like, I actually have, uh, like, I know other people, particularly ASPD, who have given warnings as friends of like, I need you guys to do this to like, keep you safe from my fuckery. And we're like, (laughs) we trust you. And it's cool. And they're just like, no, the don't don't fucking do this like this is for like everybody and it's like you know even when they mean well or they intend well it's just you know how your own mind works and just like this is a safety measure for all of us it's best if we fucking do it (laughs) yeah that's one one thing oh god it was it was it was totally delusional my partner and i my recent ex were like okay we don't fuck with each other we fuck with other people So we don't mask up for each other. We mask for others. We don't, you know, manipulate others to get our needs met. Or we do manipulate others to get our needs met. We don't do that for each other. And so we're just like, you know, spitting on our hand and fucking shaking and shit and cutting the blood. And Okay, fine. (laughs) All right. So we're not going to do that shit. And then we realized that all of our childhood traumas came out and fucked the relationship over anyway. So it really does, you know, you can be um, conscious- you can, only be conscious. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can only be conscious to a certain extent. You can only be self-aware to a certain right. extent because things are going to come out that, you know, and we're going to defend ourselves. The fucking, the shame protections coming out. You know, your insecurities are going to come out. Motherfucker, try to triangulate me. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, and and I think that he was unintentionally triangulated because I'm always talking about my fucking exes on my channel, dude. Yeah, so, that's a difficult one for fucking sure. Oh my god! So and I was totally not even thinking of it because I'm only thinking about my own perspective, right? Yeah, and no, I'm like, no, I- oh, yeah. So he's like, you know, punishing me for something that you know he is being punished with every fucking day. And then you know, after a while, it's like you can't watch my shit. Because, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And then on the flip side, I'm like, you need to be on my lives. Yeah. <laughs> and I was about to say, like, that's a <laughs> difficult thing. Because, like, you put so much effort into this. You invest so much into it. So then for him to not participate would be this whole part of you that then he doesn't see. So that's that's a difficult one. And yeah, the joke- but, but yeah. I'm crossing his boundary. Yeah, This is his boundary. Right. This is, you know, he... Uh, he if he can't express his deep inner stuff to the whole world and i'm here telling him come on come on into the fire it's fucking warm here man it's fucking okay now i've been doing this for almost two years right so i'm like totally comfortable i'm like fuck it yeah i threw my cat in the dryer you and i mean i didn't turn it on i was five years old but still you know i did fucked up shit when i was you know and he's just like dude, this is private between me and you, you know, this stuff or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, come on my channel and talk shit about me. Tell me everything so we can have (laughs) basic, basically, I'm like, let's have, let's have therapy in front of the world. How fucked up is that? And I wasn't even thinking about his feelings at all. Yeah. I was just like, me, 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 me. Um, <laughs> can I exploit you so I can get more numbers? <laughs> you know? It's so yeah. fucked up. And I, I mean, and I was completely unaware. I was only, you know, blinders on, man. I was just like, fuck. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's the thing about like the podcast that we have here is like a lot of episodes with myself and some people turns into pseudotherapy. And it's really fucking cool. Like that, yeah, it or if I'm just relating to people like we are, or like nameless, just having like a good time. Like there's all these different ways to be with people, but when you can like put that therapy or those deep things out there and people can get an idea of what it looks like, it's fucking incredible. But yes, it here is a big old fucking butt. Everybody is on here voluntarily. And mm-hmm. I think it is 
far more uncommon that people are comfortable to show up and talk the way that we are or other people have or other people do on their YouTubes. And so particularly if your ex was just like a rando, like just random, a regular person and just like hasn't done any of this before. And then you're trying to bring him into that space where he's not deciding to be. Like we've had people who have shown up on the show and some of the exposure has felt like too much and they've had to withdraw or they haven't been happy with the outcome of it and that's totally fucking reasonable and so we respect that but then yeah like when you're kind of trying to like pressure or badger somebody to showing up into that space oh man yeah there is a lot of weird feelings flying back and forth there that's for fucking sure yeah i want to also disclose this that i just had this realization it was probably underlying but i didn't want to probably look at it but like when I talk about smear campaigns and I've told, you know, people when I am talking about my perspective about my partner, this is real to me. Mm-hmm. Now, people really um, malicious motherfuckers will make up things. OK, yeah. but the run of the mill fucking narcissist, they're actually, you know, talking about their side and yeah. our side is skewed. We're the victim. You're the piece of shit. OK, and. I realized that my whole channel is like a fucking smear campaign against my ex. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag guilty confessions. But no, I mean. (laughs) It is. This is why when my mother found out about my channel, she's like, how about you? How about you? I'm like, you can come on my channel and tell me what a piece of shit kid I was. (laughs) Can you imagine a a borderline mother who created this demon inside of me coming on telling me what a piece of shit kid I was? She would be just demolished. Just let me know when you're going to shoot that episode. I'm going to prepare like a week in (laughs) advance. I'm just going to be put a tent out in front of my computer. I'm going to be fucking ready for it. Um, I even (laughs) asked my kids to come on and talk about me because I they didn't i i don't think that they were ready to tell me their true feelings yes exactly yeah because i know that um they're gonna say things that i don't want to hear but i'm in a space to fucking sit in my shame and suck it up you know but they're not ready yeah no exactly and um oh god i had a point now like so many points that just you keep coming at me with incredible stuff here Okay, I'm gonna have to make a cut here. So yeah, you mentioned that, you know, in some ways it's a smear campaign, like you're putting yourself out there. But I think the thing that makes it not a smear campaign is the vulnerability of you being like, I know my perspective is flawed. I know that I am trying to avoid some of my shame. I'm putting this out here for other people to hopefully relate to so they can understand somebody's perspective. And so even when I hear you talk about your last ex, you're just like, here's the shit that he did. Here's the shit that I did. Are you slightly slanted in your favor? And like, you know, not entirely like this. Well, I mean, fuck you. (laughs) you Nobody can like get outside their perspective. And so the thing is that like owning it and being honest and just being like, you know, and if they like wanted to defend themselves or like you ask the audience to empathize with them on your behalf because you can't because like your guts get in the fucking game so i think that's about as good as you can get in terms of being like i'm trying to present this as neutrally as i can not gonna be able to fucking do it because hello i'm disordered like that's what it fucking is yeah but you can when you have enough of that humility in the first place and you say why you're doing it i think that makes it not a smear campaign like i think with a smear campaign there has to be an intention to hurt or defame or slander and that's not your angle and that's not where you're coming at like i don't hear a lot of resentment or bitterness it's just like you know oh, the situation- i fucking i am i am fucking i am quiet <laughs> resentful oh i am filled to the rim i am bitter because how dare you um fuck up this relationship when i was trying to be perfect and then yeah. i realized that you know, there might have been many unintentional things that I was doing that I was unaware of. And my partner, mm-hmm. he did write up a grievance list about oh, me. Boy. Yeah, but he didn't want me to defend myself and he didn't want to understand why I did those things. He just wanted me to read it, digest it, sit in my shame and move the fuck on. And that's I not healthy. That. Yeah, I asked Dr. Ruth about that. And I was like, was that a loving thing? And he's like, she says, 
that, you know, well, he should have given you a chance to um, explain your inner thoughts about it, but he didn't want to hear it because he wanted to be like, I'm the victim, you're a fucking monster, here you go. The only thing that sucks about that grievance list is I only remember reading the first fucking line and he had a list and I didn't read the whole fucking thing because I didn't want to <laughs> fucking read it. <laughs> and then and then I was drunk and I fucking forgot anyway. So I'm just like, <laughs> so I didn't know what I had to work on. I didn't know his perspective and I'm still winging it, you know, and, you and know, I'm just like. And that's the thing, though, is, yeah, like, that is some, like, you know, he tried, but that is still poor interpersonal skills of, like, reciprocality is how things go. So, like, if he wants to bring a grievance to you, you should be allowed to respond. But also, he should be looking for, like, why did you do this? Can we get some deeper insight? How do we work on this together? So just trying to, like, you know, nail his thesis to your fucking door and just, like, you know, you have to accept this and, like, change your practices and shit. And he doesn't want to hear anything back. Like, that's yeah. not a way of being open and loving. Like, where's the curiosity of, like, knocking on or tapping on the head and be like, close to be like, what's going on in there? Like, how do we sort this out? Like, I love you. I want to work on this. Like, the way that he did it is a way of trying to keep you out and keeping him in a certain position. Yes. Also, he's, um, I'd call him the punisher because um, he does <laughs> like to punish. Not and, thing know, to call him your partner but <laughs> yeah well i mean he is um what he, he is like me so we are you know we do have a sadistic flavor to ourselves so i also think that he just wanted to shame the fuck out of me and then he could just sit in it and just fucking lick lick it up and i'm just like all right fuck whatever <laughs> you know you got you got your dopamine hit you piece of shit <laughs> You know, so there's all that going on, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Sometime I have to ask you. Uh, so there's another thought that I've been kind of having recently. Uh, I learned that sadistic personality disorder used to be its own separate disorder. And it got yeah. from the DSM for political reasons. Uh -huh. And one of the big confusions or sticking points we're seeing these days is everybody's going online. And they are like all these self-help experts are assuming that narcissists and antisocials are sadistic and yeah. that is not the fucking case some of right. them are some of them aren't and so as somebody who describes that they have i guess maybe more consistent sadistic impulses or urges i do too when i get into battle mode or it's like i'm split and i'm in secondary psychopathy and then it's just like i want to like tear somebody's heart out and need it uh, but for the most part i manage to keep the heart eating in in check but yeah i guess uh at some point i would love to hear you about what those sadistic urges or impulses feel like and where they come from and how you try to express them and what you think that would look like in a future relationship of actually having that controlled while still maintaining the relationship if that is possible at all yeah well i was keeping all of that at bay so even though when my partner would punish me I was not going to give him the power to be the victim when I respond Smart. in a negative way. Yeah. So, yeah. And, but this makes me feel weak. And so, and then from his point of view, I am turning into somebody not at his level. So mm -hmm. sometimes I think that he wanted me attack him. He wanted to shame me by being the victim. But and then I would have to apologize because I'm trying to be a healthier person. And I'm just like, oh, fuck you, man. And so I would just leave a lot of the time because I live just five minutes away and I'd go back to my place. And then and then I would try to talk to him the next day about, you know, what he was doing, but he didn't want to take responsibility for it. And then the rupture would get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would just be like, and then I would say something fucked up anyway. I would be like, you know, I would act all self-righteous and shit. And then and just to make him feel small and fuck you and you're not worth my time. Yeah. You know? I, I love though that you're articulating one of the things that I've, you know, labeled one of the catch 22s, just adherent contradictions with somebody's disordered is you want somebody who is going to be soft 
and weak and vulnerable enough to put up with your shit and react the way you want. They also have to be powerful enough and distant and confident to put you in your place and not put up with your shit in order for you to respect them. So you have to, at the same time, be soft to put up with them and also be ready to get rid of them and punish them for their stupid shit. And you got to do them both at the same fucking time. And it's nearly impossible, which is why these relationships don't fucking work. I know, yeah. (laughs) Because it's like, okay, I have boundaries. Here's my boundary. You know, you talk, you treat me like shit. Well, I'm I'm not going to stand here and let you treat me like shit. And I'm not going to let you sweep it under the rug. You know, Mm -hmm. um, because I used to do that. That's how I got along with my husband for so long, you know, because we would have some sort of conflict. We wouldn't resolve it. We'd sweep it under the rug and go on with our lives. And that's how we lived our life forever. But I was completely closed off. I had no connection. So here I am trying Mm -hmm. to have this connection with my new partner. And I'm like, I want to work through these things. Now, he was in a 20 year relationship with a borderline. And married. Borderlines represent. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when they would have conflict, they would sweep it under the rug too. So he was very much used to that. And, you know, I was too. But here I am like, no, let's not do the sweepity sweep sweep. Let's, you know, actually shine a light on this. And he's like, no, I just want to keep this shit in the dark. And if you do shine a light on it, you know, he's going to feel criticized and he's going, his defenses are going to come up and he's going to fucking be the punisher, put on the motherfucking t-shirt and shit and blow me the fuck away. So, you know, I I would even have guys come to me after I would have uh, a talk about, you know, a rupture that happened. And then they would come to me and say, well, he's, he's going to punish you and and you have to be okay with that. So you can repair after the punishment. Christ almighty. Yes. And I was just like, what? And and that's what would happen. I would go back to the partner, the partner would punish me. And then we would be because he would feel safe. Then I get back at you. I don't feel weak. Now we can fix the relationship. And that's what the cycle started to be. Even, even in the last, you know, defensive thing where he was very upset and then was like, I'm fucking somebody. And I'm just like, okay, great. Thank you for telling me I'll move on now. Yeah, basically. Um, See ya. Yeah, but, you know, and then I had another guy come in and say, he didn't mean what he said. He didn't mean it in blood. You know, we say things that we don't mean. And it's like, well, yeah, I know because I am that fucking person too. But I restrain myself from Mm -hmm. uh, locking the door forever. That was the key that I was talking about. I gave him that key. Just tell me you're fucking somebody else and I'm never coming back. And so he got drunk as shit. He's, you know, I can barely read his fucking text. They're all over the place. But, you know, and and he's he says this thing and i'm just like all right we're done because you used the golden fucking ticket i told you to use if you don't want me in your life anymore and but i do understand just like remember when i said with the borderline flavor he said don't fucking say the thing and i yeah. said it over and over and over yeah but you, so you get why he went there Exactly. I do understand, but there was no apology. There was yeah. no, you know, I didn't fucking mean to say that. I didn't blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, you know well, something that you're really highlighting really well here is that, like, you tried to do this for yourself, but the problem is, you know, healthy relationships, they take reciprocity. It can't just be you who's the one who's committed to self-improvement if somebody else isn't willing to meet you there or you guys can't figure out a way to make this go well for both of you then like yeah you're kind of sitting like you are being a bit of a pussy you're like sitting there trying to be healthy trying to be open trying to be vulnerable and he's just taking those cheap shots you just keep giving him like all those opportunities and it does Mm -hmm. make you feel weak and resentful inside and bitter and yeah i would tell any guy who's just like yeah you just gotta take it just gotta make up with them like that's just what it's like for men it's just like holy shit my partners would rip me to fucking shreds if i tried to say that so it's a different mindset that's for certain yeah i feel like this this is an analogy i came up with relationships that i'm bringing you into a maze 
Okay. So this is my mind. I'm bringing you into a maze, but I'm thinking that this is our maze. So we're coming in together, right? And we mm-hmm. have to navigate all this shit together. And then I feel like I get abandoned emotionally. So you disappear. And then, you know, I'm trying to break through this. I'm trying to figure out all the time. Okay, how can I repair this? Am I going, you know, I am trying to battle monsters in this maze, which is myself, Mm -hmm. you know. And then I have, you know, him coming out with his punishment. So his own monsters are coming at me too. So not only am I dealing with my own, I'm dealing with his. And then when everything gets back to normal, he shows up again in my maze. The light shows up for us to get out of the maze. And as we're walking and everything's happy again and everything's calm, we're having fun and we're skipping through and we're talking and laughing and cooking and fucking and having just so much fun and then we're walking in silence and then i'm just like and that's where the indifference comes in the feeling of Mm. do you even give a shit about me because there's (laughs) because it's too calm right now and then i'm looking for the monster to jump back out so now i'm high anxiety dude i had so much high anxiety in this last relationship big time i have a question about that now though is that when you get to those moments of calm and you start getting hyper vigilant waiting for you know the next storm to come in is there any Mm -hmm. way in which you sort of provoke it or you try to manifest it like it's something you're so neurotic about that it actually makes it feel better once you can get it out into the open and it's arrived Yes, I have done that. That's like I said before, I'm hyper vigilant, so I'm looking for a threat. I'm looking for a threat anywhere. But what mm-hmm. sucks is my partner's doing the same thing. So he's on edge because we're breaking up once a month. Okay. This is the pattern because we're usually pretty good for three weeks. <laughs> and then um and then some, you know, and then everything starts to get calm. And then he's even looking for the threat. I mean, because he has on his calendar, you know, when my period's coming, when his daughter's period's coming, he knows that, you know, we're going to be a little bit on edge, a little irritable, a little whatever. Mm. So he's on fucking edge. He has anxiety. He's tired of the pattern and he's waiting for the blow up. So he will say something to trigger me to just make it happen. Because he knows that if he says, you know, the fucked up thing, I'm going to defend myself in a way of blaming him, leaving the relationship, the whole he has to punish me now, and, you know, everything like that before everything gets back to normal again. And so that sucks. Because the night I broke up with him, I was talking about, you know, our future. I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about, you know, we were going to be moving into with each other. And then he stopped himself and he said, or me just moving myself, which was a diss. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? And he gave me side eye, like, come on, like I'm future faking. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck? So I knew that I was, that something major was going to happen because he was already trying to start shit. You know, Nameless also mentioned this about looking for those signs of abandonment and actually knowing when it's coming before uh it actually happens. Yes. So this is why I feel like he was sabotaging the relationship in that moment, you know? And then, you know, Mm -hmm. he said some fucked up things that made me leave. After that, he was drinking too. And I'm just like, and then after I I was so fucking pissed that I usually don't, you know, get loud or rage or anything like that. I don't scream and stuff. But, you know, I left and then he acted like nothing the next day. Remember sweeping everything under the rug. And because he was heavily drinking, he probably doesn't remember every single thing. And I'm just like, no. And I, and I brought it to his attention or no, I, I didn't actually, he was like, good morning, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't fucking say shit. And then he was, and then he started to explain himself about what happened, but, and everything was going good. He was making a good apology. He was taking responsibility. And then at the very end, he said, you just don't understand my dark humor. (laughs) And and that 
That erased, that erased everything. Yeah. So the apology meant absolutely nothing. And I'm like, that's when I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with this shit. And number one, I'm not going to beg for an no, apology. No, of course not. Number two, this has happened to me too. So I know that you're going to, you know, pe- people in relationships with us, because when we read messages and stuff, as soon as there's a criticism, we're going to attack you. So I might not even read your whole fucking message. And then you're, o- then you're overly explaining yourself again and again <laughs> and again. And I'm like, so I know myself, I know him, and I am not explaining myself anymore. So yeah. if you don't, if you don't fucking get it, if you can't reread, if you can't remember, fuck you, dude. Later. Yeah. So get yeah. to that point where it's just like I've explained this so many times, or it's just like you know I know you know better, and the person's just kind of dissociating, confabulating, doesn't give a fuck, and it's right. just like I'm so done here. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, I understand. You know, we are trying to protect ourselves from feeling like we're bad. Mm-hmm, you know. Exactly. And I get it. I fucking get it. But these are the uncomfortable things that we have to sit in if we're going to have, you know, a good relationship. And my relationship is like, we're the baddest motherfucking couple on the planet. This this is how I feel. I feel, you know, I'm a narcissist. You have antisocial personality. I have fucking antisocial traits as well. I'm fucking sadistic in here. You are in there. You know, we're perfect. We're fucking the power couple, dude. You're going to take so, over the goddamn world. Fuck yeah. And if I can show the world that we're the most badasses, you know, and we can fucking get through all these ruptures, we can be healthy. Our relationship can fucking, you know, thrive. You know, I, I'm feeling like Lord. really grandiose. I was about to tell you, you got some grandiose dreams there, girl. Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes, I do. And, you know, I, I accept it. I accept it. I accept it, but, but I know that I have to, you know, humble myself, but it's still there in the back of my mind that, you know, we have, we have to work on these things together so we can at least be a power, you know, you're going to be a power couple, even if it's, if it's just in my little fantasy, you know, right. my little fantasy exactly. world. And if he doesn't go along with that fantasy, you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> and that's how these all seem to end. It just, we get back there in the end anyways. Um, yeah. spe- speaking of end, so we've been going at it for, you know, almost two hours. There's one okay. more thing that I want to ask you, and then we'll cut sure. it there because this is already two episodes worth. And kind of like, uh, again, when we just get talking about things, we can just keep on going at it. Um, yeah. So there's something that I do want to ask you about in terms of just like sitting there with your feelings and kind of with that shame. And I've heard this a lot from, I think, particularly antisocials, but also narcissistic people. And that is the intolerance of boredom or the sitting around and when trauma or shame, which is what I'm assuming that you maybe not even aware of, kind of like you said, like you went around for so long, not Mm -hmm. knowing that your shame was there. And it just bubbles up when there's nothing else to distract you. And I've heard people describe that it would actually be even physically painful, like the need and the desire to lash out and do something destructive, anything just to get away from the feelings that start to come up. And I wanted to ask if that was something that you experienced as well as I'm trying to put together some of these like common traits of people's inner environments who have these disorders. Yes, I would always go for the booze, bro. (laughs) I need to drown my fucking demons in booze and in art. So that was the healthier thing when I would draw and get really, you know, into that. But I would always start overindulging in drinking to where, you know, even if I was throwing up every fucking night, I didn't give a shit. You know, even if I was just self-loathing the shit out of myself the next morning, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be better. Yeah, well, noon's here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, also, 
when I'm chronically bored and stuff and I would just start drinking booze, it makes me more impulsive. So I don't care what I fucking do. And I will do things that I wouldn't do when I wasn't drinking. So, and I knew that I would do this and I'm like, all right, let's take our fucking, you know, medicine (laughs) so we don't have to do it. But in this last breakup, I quit drinking immediately. I was like, I I can't do that because I will become so self-destructive trying to drown my pain. So I stopped drinking so I could focus on being better. You know, I, I mean, I still cycled through, you know, he's the piece of shit, not me thing. Right. Of course. um, Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I would reach out to Dr. Ruth and talk about some shit. I went to the bookstore. I got books on self-esteem and vulnerability. I wanted to be like, okay, I don't want to go backwards. I want to move forward. I don't want to sit in that shit that I sat in when I broke up with the borderline, you know, and all that pain. And I would pace back and forth the pace. My hands are so you're talking about the pace. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then my mind is just, you know, going off or I'll start to cry and I'm just, and I hate crying. And so I'm just like, fuck, I want to feel, I want to feel nothing. I want to feel nothing, you know? Mm. And so the, the only way through is better understanding of yourself. So not blaming the outside world. I have to look inward. So I had to do all. Yeah. So that actually made things feel better. I mean, I'll still feel like, you know, shit, you know, I still get my moments where I'm, you know, low mood, I'll still either, you know, you go through the conflict, and then you're making up shit in your head. Oh, what should I have said? I I fucking had fights with this motherfucker in my head, you know, and just everything that I was... (laughs) What? I said, I hope you won those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm the winner. I'm the winner of my fights, man. (laughs) But I mean, journaling is very important because then, you know, you get to cycle through. You should see my journal shit. My journal goes from... (laughs) (laughs) My my journal goes from victim mode, smear, 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 he, 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 to like, oh, fuck, me, me, me. Oh, shit, me, me, me. And then, you know, and then I'm looking at my, and then I'm like, us, 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 you know? So it went from, yeah. And then it's like, well, I really did need this, this breakup. I really needed this breakup to catalyst me into some more core issues that I needed to work on. Because when you're in a relationship, you're focusing on the other motherfucker and you're not focusing on yourself. So, you know, you start to lose yourself. And this is where victims are like, they did this to me. And it's like, you know what? You did it to your fucking self because I did the same thing in my relationships too. And when I was able to be like, take responsibility and everything, you break that hate for the other person, you real, you're not, you're not blaming yourself for the whole relationship. It takes two people, but you're starting to work on your own shit and you're working on your own core issues and you know you're taking responsibility for your own stuff and you actually get out of that you know you, you can move through your grieving you know you can move through it until you accept this is what happened and i accept it and you know what yeah i don't Kind of like some other points in other podcasts that I've done. I don't think I could wrap it up any better than you just did of just being like, yeah, sometimes we go through these things and we need them. And it's yes. what we choose to do with them. And the end goal is to get to that point of acceptance, of working through your own shit, of grieving what you need to, and then improving and bettering yourself for the next one. And that's yes. really when you're doing the best that you can and the most that you can ask of anybody. But yes. speaking of asking things of anybody, uh, I'm glad that I asked you onto the show. This was Me a great too. chat that I had with you. And 
maybe we'll have you back on again, maybe to talk about some more specific things. You know, this has kind of just been an all over the place introduction <laughs> to all things Cluster B. Yeah. And uh, hopefully people are excited to hear some more. We will make sure to link your YouTube to the podcast episode. Thank so, you. Yeah. I appreciate it. So let's, let's get the fuck out while the getting is good. Uh, okay. Thank you, our loyal and captive audience. Uh, it's been great to have you guys with, and it's been great to have our guests, and we'll see you around soon. Bye.